Is designing your perfect relationship possible? Because anything is. Whether you are single, divorced, in a relationship, happy, not happy, this episode will tell you how to make the most out of your relationship. Did you know that divorce and splitting up affects the workplace in a negative way and kills productivity? Learn so much more in this podcast with Sarah Davison, the divorce coach. She is divorced, she's very well qualified, and she's helped millions of people across the world get the perfect relationship. Welcome to the Anything is Possible podcast. We are hot off the back of our conference, which took place in Manchester on the 25th of March. And one of our amazing speakers on the day was Sarah Davison, uh, the divorce coach who led a workshop on how to design your perfect partner and relationship. Um, now, don't let that pigeonhole you because it's not all about being single because what Sarah does is so interesting and so applicable um, to you whether you're single in a relationship or actually a lot of what she talks about can be applied to anything and everything um so before I tell you how I met Sarah Sarah do you want to just give us a quick intro to yourself and what you do yes thanks for having me Ollie it's really good to see you again um yeah so my name is Sarah Davison I'm known as you said as the divorce coach and I help people to cope better with any kind of breakup, separation or heartbreak, and not only go through the emotional roller coaster, but also overcoming the practical challenges like learning to date again, as, as I talked about at your amazing conference the other day. Uh, thank you so much for inviting me along to that. It was great. It was one of the best events I've ever been to. So hats off to you, amazing organization. Um, and yeah, so we run... Um, online support groups, one-to-one coaching. I've got two books. I've got a podcast as well, which you were my guest on very recently, which was an amazing interview with you. Uh, Yeah, we just really help people to cope better with any kind of separation. So to put into context how I found Sarah, so I got divorced like five years ago. Um, I'm very like you, Sarah, very curious. So, um, you know, I want to find how do I get the best advice and the best help? And then just kept following you. And I was so interested in the fact that you'd developed this business where people could train to be coaches. Um, But your story starts um, very authentically. Um, So you went through a divorce yourself. But tell us what you were doing before and then why you turned into the divorce coach. Yes. So I was coaching. I was an absolute geek for self-help personal development. So pretty much now for 28 years, I've been immersed in that world. Um, And I've been coaching for 28 years now. So I've been married for three years. My son was one at the time. And I found out literally overnight that my husband no longer wanted to be married to me. Now, I didn't see it coming. There were issues in the relationship for sure. But I believe marriage was forever and we could work it through. And we had a global uh, coaching business together at the time. So we had about 170 staff, office in London, office in Sydney, Australia. You know, all our lives were completely intertwined. Um, so overnight, I lost my my husband, the father to my son, but also my business partner, and who I thought was my best friend. And not only did we break up, he'd met somebody else, and he was madly in love with her. 
And within weeks, I found out she was pregnant and they went on to start a new family. Uh, she became a director of my business and I was removed through a technical loophole from being a director. It was all very challenging. And then they moved in into the penthouse apartment above where me and my son were living. Uh, she was also 12 years younger, Holly, and stunningly beautiful, which never helps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was super, super challenging. So I did a lot of that ugly crying, a lot of that just falling apart. You know, my whole life, my business, my home life, everything had just disappeared as I knew it overnight. So it was going through that process, realizing that, wow, I'm a coach. You know, I'm trained in how to manage my emotional state. Yeah, I am way out of my depth with this. This is something way beyond I ever imagined. So I looked for help. And weirdly, there is no support for heartbreak. There's, there's help for pretty much every other problem, like if you want to give up smoking or if you want to lose weight, uh, there's help, right? But there's no group or support for heartbreak. So I basically created my own program to get me and my son through from all my coaching experience at that point and then being thrown into what was a very long, difficult divorce process and that's where my first book came. And then it just took off. I started running my live retreats and the Daily Mail got hold of those. And you know what? The Daily Mail's like dubbed it Heartbreak Hotel. And it was double spread. Uh, the, well, the first one and pretty much everyone I've done since gets coverage in there. So it just took off and it really meets the need. So now I'm using that pain to help other people now cope better with their breakups. Wow. So if we think about like a breakup, I mean, it literally hit every spot, didn't it? You, you've got a son that's one year old. She's pregnant. He brings her into the business. He lives near you. Like, so you've almost had the worst kind. Whereas I think I've said to you before, you know, my separation was, you know, really easy in terms of, you know, there was none of these kind of challenges. So um, how long between the D-Day of finding out to actually picking yourself up off the floor and thinking, I'm going to write myself out of this. What was that time frame like? It's a really good question. It was all a bit of a blur, probably panic, fear, overwhelm, and a lot of crying for probably three months. Yeah. Um, and then there was this moment where I'd had to go out to Sydney, to our office out there, and I was sitting on a beach out there called Balmoral Beach, and I was crying. I was on my own and I was looking out of the waves. And I had just tears running down my face. And I was thinking, this world is so beautiful. And I am in so much pain. And I thought, you know what? This I have to do something with this. This cannot be just for me to endure. And then what? I just pick myself up and off I go. I said, I need to find a way to, to use what I'm going through to turn it into something that's going to help other people. That was the moment where I knew I could maybe turn it around and create something to get me through. But obviously it took me, I mean, it took me a good year and a half to create the tools and to finesse them and to figure out what worked and what definitely didn't work and and, and to, to create the program now that I share with other people. But yeah, I think it was about three months in where enough was enough. And I had that light bulb moment where things started to shift. But yeah, it's it's a difficult process. People don't realize that divorce is known as the second most traumatic life experience you go through after death of a loved one. Yeah. So there is a lot more trauma. And I think that hits you by surprise a lot of the time. Oh, absolutely. I mean, again, I said this to you, you know, I had um, no children. There was no affairs. It was really amicable. Um, yeah, it was still traumatic because most people don't get married thinking that it's going to 
to end, you know. So, um, I, you know, there are different levels, but it's still a complete trauma and life change. And would you say, like, looking back, and we're going to talk about settling and things like that and soulmates a little bit later on in the podcast. Looking back, I know you thought that everything was okay. Now you look back, do you still think that? Or were there signs? Yeah, there were definitely red flags, massive Huge warning signs <laughs> way back to even before I was married, to be honest. But I think when you're in love, even though other people might tell you that, and some of my friends did actually said, look, not sure you should get married here. This probably isn't going to work out well. But it's very hard to see when you're in. And actually, it was quite a toxic relationship. And I think when you're in a toxic relationship, you minimalize a lot of the bad behavior, especially if you're highly empathetic like me, and I know you are as well, Holly, yeah. we just want to fix things and we want to make things better. And we're like, okay, well, well, I'll suck that up so we don't have to have an argument. I'll avoid that conflict just so life carries on. We'll go back to normal. And I think there was a lot more of that going on than I really was probably prepared to admit. Um, and there were some tough moments during that, but we always seem to get through it. So, yeah, I think, like you said, often looking back, there were red flags and there were warning signs. And Definitely people mentioned things to me, but I was just, no, you know, I can make this work. You know, we're together because there were a lot of things that were, were great, you know, and I was very focused on that and really not being very eyes open to the things that were probably pretty unhealthy. Yeah. So we have quite a lot of coaches that follow anything is possible that are in different kinds of spaces. So and I'm really interested to understand. So you've got this idea that you're going to formulate the coaching and you and you talk about the process to write everything. I'm so interested in what is the process? Is it a quiet room, a notebook, research? Like how do you get from a blank piece of paper to a coaching program? That's such a good question. And you know what? I was the kid at school. And I remember my English teacher, her name was Miss New, Mrs. Newhouse. Oh. And I never got above a C plus from Miss Newhouse. In fact, if I got a C plus, that was a good mark for me. I was terrible at English. It was always a D or a D minus. My peak, a C plus, and that was very rare. Um, so I never thought I could write anything, you know, let alone a book or a training program. So when I was thinking about doing it, and I'm sure people listening are maybe in that position, it is extremely daunting. And also, sometimes when you do things, like I was getting through my divorce, I hadn't chunked it down into exactly what I was doing. It was just I was coping. So it, it does take a little bit of time out to think, right, let's just break it down. Don't get overwhelmed. Just work out the main areas and just start with one. So for me, it was heartbreak. So that was the first one I started with. I was like, right, if I was going to tell people how to cope better with heartbreak, where would I start? And then you just throw things down on a piece of paper. Don't try and perfect it. Don't try and sort of script it out. Put the key points that you think are the most helpful. And that's okay. Just do your best. And then you can always come back and pad it out. So for me, it took quite a long time, just chunking down into the different key areas and then adding to those. Um, and then giving some examples. I think people learn when you illustrate something with a real life example. So I was using examples of my own um, existence going through that, but also bringing in the way I'd helped other people as well. So case studies and examples, obviously you've got to anonymize them, but I was using those examples to show people how these tools could actually be applied practically 
And I think that speeds up the learning when you're learning anything from a from a training course. So give them the tips and the advice. Simply, you can do bullet points. You do not need an essay. And then a case study about how you make it real. You apply it to real life. And that's the trick, I think. That's the secret to creating a training program that's enjoyable to go through, but actually sinks in and, and you can use the tools at the end. So we have the program written on how to get over a heartbreak who obviously without giving details who was your first client and how did you get them well it was my lawyer actually I was going through my divorce and my lawyer was uh Baroness Shackleton Fiona Shackleton um and yeah don't ask me why I went for one of the most expensive lawyers in the world um it was because my ex chose his lawyer first and I googled to find out who goes up against them and he had Ray Tooth and I found Fiona Shackleton she was the feisty powerhouse that she still is today. She's amazing. Um, but yeah, it was it was an expensive divorce process. And that wasn't necessarily Fiona's fault, just divorcing someone that's quite difficult and doesn't share information. It just escalates, as anyone who's going through that kind of situation will know. Um, but yeah, she said to me, can you help one of my clients? And I was like, well, yeah, I can talk to them. But at that point, I was still a bit of a mess. But when I started to explain some of these tools to this other woman, she was like, I'm going to do this. This is this is going to this is interesting. And the feedback from her was, yeah, this really helps. And then it was actually Fiona that said to me, you should write a book. You should write a book on this because what you're doing could help so many people. So that is actually why Uncoupling, my first book, came about, because Fiona said to me, just use this opportunity to put this down and share it with people. And she gives it to her clients. So that was that was a great way to start with somebody like Fiona Shackleton behind you. And had you written a book before? No, like I said, the best I got was C plus in an English essay on Romeo and Juliet. So no, absolutely never. Uh, and never thought I could. And I think that's one of the things this journey has taught me. And also when I'm training my coaches, a lot of them will say, yeah, but Sarah, you know, you share the tools on how to grow a business, but I would never do a webinar or I would never do social media or shoot a video. I just never do that. Now, you can grow your business without those things. Absolutely. And I'll show lots of ways to grow your business. But the interesting thing is once people get in and they see what other people are doing and actually they start to expand their comfort zone. And then these things just become natural. One of my coaches, Lucy, is in my elite coaching team. She's been with it a few years now. She definitely said she would never go on social media. Her kids would hate it. She would feel uncomfortable. It was all too much. And now she's probably one of the most uh, prolific on her social media. Three videos a week. She's got loads of followers and she loves it. So again, I think we often think, well, oh, I can't do that but actually small steps towards it, then make it actually a reality. And then and then you're living that, that and it becomes normal to you. So yeah, I've now written two books and a third book is waiting to be published. So yeah, I, I actually want to send a copy to Mrs. Newhouse just to see if I get more than a C plus this time. <laughs> yeah, this is something I asked Joe Wicks actually. So how, did you have a publisher or did you literally write the book? Like how, again, I think people are interested in the process because they might think there's a book inside of them somewhere. Yeah, well, I started writing articles for magazines and just for different websites. So what I did was I took all those and chunked them down into the different parts that they covered. So heartbreak and recovery in the early days and then deep diving into who you are and managing anger and the divorce process and then recovering and then rebuilding your life. So I had kind of the flow. And I think that's important. Have the key flow, almost do the, the index first. So you sort of know, right, I'm going to start here. 
and I'm going to end here and how know how you want the reader to feel. For me, that was really important. I wanted them to feel like they, I was talking to them like a, a friend or a sister or a relative, you know, who was like, I've been here, I'll put my arm around you, hold your hand and we'll walk through this together. So having that vision and the purpose and, and knowing what the intent was from the book is was key for me. And then just chunking it down into the different chapters. And then again, just adding a bit of story because people want to understand. So I put quite a lot of my story into uncoupling. The uh, the lawyers took some of it out, but uh, a lot of it is still in there. Um, and then I put some lots of tips, lots of how to cope, how to survive. And don't be afraid to give your information away for free. Like, I mean, obviously people are buying the book, but you know, don't be afraid to put it all in there because... That's content that's general and people will want you to tailor it to them. So the more you share, the more people see what you can do and potentially how you could help them. And then that is why they want to come to you. So you can tailor it to specifically their scenarios. And again, don't forget the case studies and maybe some exercises as well. So that's kind of how you make it interesting. For me, the first book, I had a book deal. Um, the second book, I decided I was going to self-publish. You have a lot more freedom when you self-publish because you can give your book away for free and you can use it, you know, in different ways. So whereas when you have your own book published, you have to buy your own copies still, even though you get a discount. It, it, it doesn't work in the same way. So, so yeah, tried both. Um, and the third deal, hopefully I'm going to get a publishing deal. That's what we're looking for right now. And is it true? I've got a friend um, that she was, she wrote a cookbook actually. Um, and she said, um, and forgive me for kind of talking figures, but she said, actually, when you write in a book, it's, it's not that profitable. It's more about brand building. Would you agree? Yeah, it depends. If you get a publishing deal, then yes. I mean, the, I think those, the money isn't like it used to be where you'd get a big advance and then, you know, it just doesn't work that way anymore. Um, so, but if you self-publish, obviously everything you make comes to you. So, you know, you can make more money that way. But yeah, I think what a book does is don't do it because you want to make the money. Do it because you're instantly an expert. Whether the people who invite you on to talk about your book have even opened your book, <laughs> if you are a published author, you are suddenly an expert in most people's minds, which is great. Um, and, it, you know, my books are great. I, you know, the content is good. But it, ultimately, people just have a different perception. It opens doors um, and it gives you that credibility. So, yeah, I think a book is well worth it. If you want to be a coach in any sector, write about it, but write about it from the heart because it's about connecting with people, not just giving them facts. That's key, I think, to, to helping people. Well, you're getting me excited. And have you done anything like any ebooks um, and downloadable stuff that people have been able to purchase? Yeah, I do that. I have a downloadable guys on my website. Um, I give those for free. A lot of them are sort of introductions. Um, and then my book, my second book that I self-published, you can buy as an ebook as well. So you can even get a chapter a, a day for 30 days. It's a 30-day guide to help you through the initial stages of breakup. So that's a breakup to breakthrough in 30 days or less. It's called the split. So yeah, that that works well as an ebook. But yeah, you want to have different products for different budgets and yeah. also different learning styles because some people want to read a book on a Kindle or an audio. So one of them, Uncoupling is an audio book as well. And other people would rather take part in a webinar or come and meet you live at a retreat. So you kind of need to have a range of different products to cater, but the content's the same. So it's just how you monetize the content in lots of different ways to help as many people as you can. 
So you you set up, you start coaching, you write the book. At this point, is it just you doing one-to-one coaching the people? Yeah, for the first sort of five years, it was just me doing the coaching. Um, and I, I did a lot of work in the media, so I was writing a lot of articles because, again, I was really the only person talking about this, you know, heartbreak and breakups and divorce. A lot of people were thinking, oh, divorce, that's a bit negative, there's a real stigma you know, and it wasn't a particularly sexy thing. And so, yeah, there weren't many, well, there wasn't anyone else doing it in the way I do it. So again, combining that divorce world with self-help, rebuilding your life, empowerment, life skills uh, was pretty new. So yeah, so it was just me for quite a long time. And so you were probably then, I imagine, getting inundated and everyone would want you. Um, And so that's not scalable, obviously. So when did you decide that you would start to train other people to do what you do? I thought about it for a couple of years, but people started approaching me saying, can you train me in what you do? Can you show me how you do it? And that's when I thought, right, okay, let's create the, because I had the book, which was really what I give to my clients. So I then sort of changed that into a working uh, manual for, to train my coaches. Um, and also I've been coaching for such a long time. I, sort of, I could bring in my NLP because I'm a total NLP, neuro-linguistic programming nerd. I literally got my master pack over 25 years ago. So it's literally everything I live and breathe. I love that. So that's a lot of the science behind why the tools work so well. CBT, hypnotherapy, you know, I've trained with some of the most amazing uh, people in my field, like Tony Robbins, Paul McKenna, Richard Bandler. I mean, they were all like amazing big players in my life. So there's a lot of that content. So it was great fun to actually combine the coaching knowledge. And again, I had to chunk it down because, I'm, you know, as a coach, sometimes you don't know why you're getting those fast results. But you have to really, when you're writing the manual, chunk it down. So I did that. And then, yeah, it took off. Now we've trained over, gosh, it must be over 350 coaches in 18 different countries around the world now. So, yeah, it's a, it's been great. And do they work for you and under your brand? Or are you happy to coach people and let them fly and go off on their own? How does that work? Uh, yeah, great question. So some of them, uh, well, I train you how to set up your business. Because I'm a businesswoman and I have a global coaching business, I'm showing you, you know, you can be the best coach in the world and you will be with the tools I'm giving you. But if no one knows you're there, then that's no good to anyone. So I give you the business tools that I've used. I share everything. So even down to how to do a radio interview or who to network with, what works on your Web page, everything like that. Um, So we really support you to, to get your business up and running and get that income stream coming in. But, but the other side of it is if you do go on and you do my master practitioner course, there are opportunities to get referrals from me because obviously I get a lot of people, especially businesses now coming to me saying, can we offer this coaching to our employees? Because wow. it has, yeah, because it's in January, I was in parliament. We launched um, a government backed initiative to raise awareness of Uh, breakups in the workplace with HR departments because there's been so much research out recently saying that divorce in the workplace can reduce productivity per employee by up to 40%. And that's 40%, not just of the year of the breakup, the year before, the year of, and the year after. So three years of that massive reduction in productivity, plus stress and bad decisions and making mistakes on top of that. So now a lot of corporates are coming and saying, can I use the coaches in your coaching hub as part of our employee benefit package so that we can offer that specialist help, not therapy, not counseling, but breakup specialist coaching 
And all those coaches are trained in domestic abuse as well. So they can spot the signs. And, and again, that's an important skill for businesses to have. So, yeah, that's what we do now as well. I find that so interesting because we had Janet Hadley of Choose Sunrise on the uh, podcast a couple of weeks ago. And she, through her own journey of through sobriety, um, she now offers workplace, making workplaces alcohol um, safe and um, making the consideration for, for sobriety as important as wanting to drink in, you know, an event or whatever. So it's brilliant that companies are offering these like softer skills. And I would definitely agree with you. I mean, I had my own business at the time so it's slightly different but I did kind of say to myself that year um do you know what I'm going to be easy on myself and I'm going to put myself for first and definitely the business suffered that year like 100% because I was you know I wanted to build my social life back up again so I was leaving work on time or not working the weekends and I know that's different because it's my own business but you know my social life became important yeah I hadn't been before so I I can I can absolutely testament to the fact that you're right. It 100 affects your productivity and work. And to have a a workplace that would wrap you up and understand that a little bit could get you to back to normal quicker. I would imagine. Absolutely, that's our job is to get those fast results. That's the difference with coaching. I think it rather than therapy is that we can work a lot faster and the tools get those fast transformations so that you can get to work, you can parent, you can you know, process those difficult decisions because you're dealing with those emotions as well. You're not just stuffing them down or just trying to bottle them up. You're actually processing them and learning how to effectively manage them when you need to concentrate on something completely different. Yeah. So yeah, that's what we're experts at. So it, it it does make a massive difference. And it's just great to see companies being a bit more interested in well-being of the employees as well. Absolutely. So you've got all your um, the coaches. And I think the thing I first spotted with you was the retreat. So is that like bringing people together that are going through the same thing? Talk us about, to us about that. I love that. Yeah, me too. It's actually, Holly, my favourite thing that I do is the two-day live retreat. I take them to a beautiful English hotel called Ashdown Park Hotel, and the grounds are stunning. The energy of the place is beautiful. The staff are super friendly. All these things matter, as you know, when you're running an event. It just yeah. really matters. The venue is so key. Um, and I just take fast track people going through any stage of their breakup, um, men and women, all different ages and backgrounds, through their breakup. So it's the fastest way I know to get you through. So instead of doing, say, an hour's coaching and then coming back a week later or two weeks later, we really immerse you in all the skills so yeah when you walk in there are some tissues on the table there will be some tears but we move you through that really quick I kind of have to we have to face some of the negative um, emotions to clear them a little bit so I can start to put some good stuff in and and so the tools are very powerful and the shifts are quite fast and you'll see lots of different people at different stages so it's really intimate I usually only have maximum about 25 people at the event so I can really get to know everyone my coaches, some of my top coaching team will be there as well to give extra support and sessions in the evenings as well during the day. Um, and we just fast track you through that recovery. But one of the things that I think is underestimated with these retreats are the bonds that... 
Just a reminder that the best way you can support the show is to subscribe, leave us a five-star rating and a little review for what you think of our show wherever you listen to your podcasts. It only takes a second and may seem like a small thing, but it helps us rank in the podcast charts, find new listeners and reach even more amazing guests. So with your review, you're actually helping to improve the Anything Is Possible show. People make with each other at those events and the lifelong friendships. So I've been running these events now for, for many years and still everyone is in touch. We set up a WhatsApp group for everyone. They still meet up. Some of them still go every Christmas and have a lunch together. And you know they go on holidays together. They are really good friends. So it is you know, interesting how that is actually provides a new support team because sometimes your friends and family get a bit sick of hearing it, don't they? So it's nice to meet people that are always going to be there for you. So yeah, really love those. I've actually got one coming up the 3rd and 4th of June this year, um, which is great because I haven't done one for a while because of COVID and everything. So it's great to be back live with people working with them because it's my favourite thing to do. I guess it's that similar in a way to the principles of when I've talked about the OCD treatment. I mean, it was mine was a three month program, but it was group therapy, and the power of of that for recovery is is phenomenal. And then on the other side of that, you know, now um, I'm part of a fitness group which has got an online community, and and that's big at the moment. But I guess you were building that community far before people kind of started to build them online, um, which is now the principle on what people do build communities online for, don't they? Yeah, I think online definitely plays a, a part. I do online retreats as well, just because it's easier for people to to attend. Because obviously we're dealing with an international market these days with coaching over Zoom is really what people want. But I think when I mean, we have people flying from America, we've had someone flying from Singapore to come to the two day retreat because again, there's nothing out there like it. Um, and it's just a it's just nice sometimes to be in that environment and just be held safe and have that especially that fast track through to get you through the really gritty bit but then start to give you the tools so you can go back and you'll be you know much more empowered to cope when you get back out there afterwards and um so just to wrap up the business itself and then we'll talk more about relationships and stuff um so tell us your business now remind me so you have your books your retreats your coaching yeah, uh, the training school as well to train people to become breakup and divorce coach practitioners and master practitioners um, with the domestic abuse training as well. That's something that's really close to my heart because my relationship was toxic and I learned a lot coming out of that about abusive relationships. And I'm now the patron, I've been for many years now, the patron of a domestic abuse charity called the Dash Charity who support people coming out of toxic relationships and so I train my coaches how also to, to manage that. Um, so that's really important to me. And I campaign a lot on the challenges in the family court system and the, the challenges, especially for victims of abuse, going through that divorce process in the family courts with their children. Some of the things that happen, Holly, are horrific. So that's something I'm very passionate about personally. And then, yeah, we have our corporate coaching now as well. So we have we do have quite a few products now out there just to really help anyone going through any kind of breakup 
Yeah, isn't it funny? So your your trauma and what you went through has inspired this business as my trauma of um, having OCD and recovery is inspired anything is possible. Um, but then also we need to talk about all the exciting stuff that you do. So we, hopefully the um, listeners have got an insight on how you can build a business. Um, but I think the story that I want to share and what we talked about at Anything is Possible, which I'd love to give our listeners a snippet of, is this design your like perfect partner or relationship. And just to give context, um, Sarah mentioned before she's um, trained with Tony Robbins, who I absolutely love. And I did one of I bought one of his like relationship um, packages that he did. And it was all about design your perfect relationship. So I wrote in a in a I know this is not everyone's cup of tea, but I am who I am. Uh, I did like two full pages on my ideal relationship. So rather than focusing on the person, the relationship and what I wanted that to look like day to day and how I would spend my time and what they would do for a job and what we would do together. And I've told you this story that like when I was writing all the content for anything is possible, I found it. And um I said to my partner, Joel, literally, I've written our relationship five years ago. Read this. And it worked like all the things that I wanted to be able to do with someone. I don't know if you store that subconsciously because I definitely wasn't reading it every day. Um, But talk to us about that. I don't know if you can kind of, I know you can't do the exercise with our listeners, but maybe talk through that process of values and narrowing down your values and all that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I love your story because it's so true. And so many of us that have done that have attracted things, whether it's a partner or a home or, you know, just a career. I think, you know, having that vision and setting that intent and manifesting, as Roxina Fusi was talking about at your conference, is so, so important. Um, and I, I, you know, I know you sort of apologized a little bit before for that, but actually it's so powerful that, you know, I think if you can spend some time doing it, even if you don't believe in it, Try it because the upside is huge. Um, Yeah, with designing your ideal partner, this is the thing. Most people come out of relationships that I see and they have two criteria for finding a new partner. The first one is they have a pulse. And the second one is they show them one tiny sign of affection. And that usually then is all they need to go into what I call limpet mode and sucker themselves to this poor person saying, right, I found someone. I'm never going to be alone again, because that is one of the biggest fears after a breakup that you're always going to be on your own. So this is one of the challenges. That is not a good criteria or basis for any relationship. So taking back a little bit and going on that self-discovery journey is going to be important. And looking at things like your values, what do you, what's really important to you in a relationship? What do you really value? Yeah, it might be love. It might be passion. It might be reliability. If you've been cheated on, it's probably going to be something like loyalty or honesty. And your values tend to stay the same until there's a significant life event. So mine were much more about passion and adventure and fun and happiness And then after my divorce, suddenly loyalty and honesty and kindness and respect suddenly shot way up my list. Also freedom. Now, freedom is an interesting one because freedom can mean a lot of different things, which is, again, when you identify your values, take some time to work out what that actually means to you. And at at your event, Holly, people have written love. So I about four or five of the audience, I think. So I said to them, right, would you mind sharing what love means to you? And one was like passion, great sex, connection, intimacy. Another one was just having my back. 
Yeah, another one was like, well, looking after me, doing things for me. So again, we all have very different definitions of the same value, the same words. So if you're saying, I want to be loved to your partner, and they say, well, that's great, I love you, but you've got very different ideas of what that means. That's where sometimes a disconnect can come in. So just getting really clear. Freedom, to me, does not mean going around and, and sort of having an open relationship. It means freedom to be myself, freedom to have my voice, which is something I didn't feel I had in my own relationship. So that's really important to me now. But again, defining that is key because a partner might think, well, that doesn't sound very secure. So again, it's those sort of things, looking at your values and finding out the ones that are most important to you. So that's the first part. And then the second part of the exercise is working out what you want from a partner, which most of us solely know, don't we? We know if you like tall, dark, handsome or short, blue eyes or whatever it is. Most of us know instantly what we're kind of attracted to. But it goes deeper than that. It's more looking at their interests, their hobbies, their education. Maybe you want someone who does have kids or maybe you definitely don't. Maybe you prefer someone who's a bit more sporty or active if that's what's important to you. Maybe you've got specific political ideas that are really going to great if someone doesn't have the same ideas as you. So again, it's working out what you want. State it all in the positive and write it down in the positive. So not, not stingy, right? Generous. So again, you know, those sort of things are important, what you want. And that's where most people stop when we start to design our partner. In fact, most of us spend more time working out what we're going to have for dinner or wear out on Saturday night than we do what we want from a partner. So it's important to put a bit more time into this. Um, and the final part, which is, well, one of the next parts, which is super important. What do you need from a relationship? What do you need? Now, that might be emotional stability. That might be, you know, again, the loyalty and the kindness. So, again, think about the things that you've learned from the past. Most of us don't take time to learn the lessons, which is why we go headlong into the next relationship, only to find out we're repeating the same mistakes that we made last time and the time before. And if we're honest, probably a few times before that, too. So this is where we start to bank those lessons and say, what do I need? What have I learned? So what do I need from this relationship? So again, writing those down is key. And then finally, the best bit, I think, which provides you with a safety net. So for those people who are nervous about dating again, or maybe even saying, I'm never going to date again, ever, ever, ever. I hear this a lot. Well, that's natural because we want to protect ourselves from getting hurt again. But if I can provide you with some safety nets, then you can dip your toe into the water with the safety net. So this is where the safety net comes in. You can have up to five must not haves. So these are deal breakers. They're not, well, brown eyes or, you know, speaks French. These are deal breakers for you. So you can't borrow these off a friend or ask your mate. It's You've got to work out what these are for you. So maybe it's lies, maybe it's drugs, maybe it's smokes, or maybe it's just not very active or lazy. Whatever it is for you that is going to mean that you absolutely cannot tolerate that. It will not work. If your partner has this, you've learned that lesson and you've banked it, they go in. So up to five must not haves, which means that if you see any of those, immediately you deploy your parachute and you exit the building. There is no, I can change him. Oh, when he gets to know me, he'll be different. Oh, I know he's saying that, but I don't think he meant that. Believe people, Maya Angelou said, when people show you who they are, believe them 
And it's such a powerful quote because a lot of us don't do that. I certainly haven't in the past, but I do now. And I think it's really, really valuable advice. I mean, I think that's brilliant. And I think that if you have, you know, to be honest, I did this exercise when I was still married. And I think you talked about that um, at the conference in that, you know, we don't, I, you know, obviously um, I had, I was not happy and had doubts in the relationship. So you, you know, you want to make it work. So you, you know, you're thinking through things. So I was doing these exercises and it did begin to show me like the differences. Um, And then I do think that when you go then into a new relationship, if you are clear on your, um, you know, I think you get to, I don't get me wrong, like the few years I was single, I made like tons of mistakes. But (laughs) I I think when then you do meet the person that you feel serious about, I think that you're able to 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 put forward those non-negotiables straight away because you know this isn't just a bit of a fun. So this is where I'm at here. Are you okay with this? Because if you're not, then like I don't want to risk, you know. And it's so it's so powerful to do because you can either do it in a relationship and realize, oh, this is worth fighting for. So you don't just have to be single, or you realize it's not, and then you've already got the tools and the skills when you enter sort of the single world, don't you? Absolutely. You're spot on. And I think, yeah, we all learn from practicing and it's hard. You know, I've had clients say, well, you know, he was rude to the waitress, but I thought I'd give him a second chance, you know, or, you know, but actually a couple of months down the line, they're more emotionally invested. And we look back and it go, the signs were there. Right. And now, you know, once you've done it a few times, you know, you get as you get older as well, you're like, I, I know how this is going to play out. I'm just going to skip those chapters and go straight to thanks, but I'm out, you know. And, and if you can do that, that's your safety net and know that, you know, it's not about learning to trust somebody. You know, a lot of my clients will say a lot of my messages actually on social media are so I don't think I could ever trust anyone ever again. But the important thing here is it's not about learning to trust anyone apart from yourself. It's about learning to trust yourself to make a better decision, to be more discerning in your choice, to be able to work through these things and trust yourself that you will deploy that parachute. You will exit the building. You won't let yourself get caught up for another merry-go-round of the same thing. So once you learn that you are in control, you have the power, you have that remote control to your own brain to make those decisions. It's not a conveyor belt you've got sucked on and you, you can get off if you want to. You know, it's these are the tools that give you that control back over your life, that start to give you that confidence back that actually I'm in charge. I can do this. I can rebuild my life, learn from mistakes and go on. And that's how you get more confident happier it's not to say you don't make different mistakes absolutely but if you've got the mentality that you're always going to learn from it and everything happens for a reason and serves a purpose my divorce was devastating at that point it looked like it was the end of the road for me but I had a decision to make just like you did with your OCD when you shared your story on on my podcast where you know you have a moment where it's I've had enough now and I'm willing to change and I want to choose the path where life gets good again And we all have that. So whatever you're going through, whatever kind of trauma, there is a decision. You either drag that around with you forever or you take your power back and you stand up and you go, you know what? I have a voice and I'm going to use it and I'm going to control my own emotions to create my own happiness. Yeah. And, you know, like an analogy I've sometimes used, it's a bit like, bear with me, going to the gym. So I've done Barry's this morning. There was no part of me that wanted to do it this morning, um, but I booked it and I was like, 
but I know how I I know how I feel when I walk out that room. And I think sometimes with breakup or even whether it's a relationship or just you've been treated a little bit like shit by someone, it's that fake it till you make it. And I remember um my my first proper heartbreak, which was like literally my mid-20s, oh, and I was absolutely devastated and at the time um mobile phones were around but it wasn't like your primary form of communication anyway I was dumped from a great high absolutely devastated um did all the wrong things drank a lot of wine and everything like that and about a month later I got a text you know like you do and I'd been that heartbroken every every bit in my body wanted to respond and I probably could have had a quick fix or whatever and I was like, no, because I know it will be short lived, and I know it, it, it's, it, you know, you've, you've got to fake it till you make it. And I remember, I think I've still got a photocopy of it. I wrote him a letter, posted it, and I, and I wrote it, basically saying I was over him. I wasn't, but I wrote it almost in the how I wanted to feel. I faked it till I make it because I knew if that letter went to him and that got to the door, that would be it. He would never contact me again. And it was horrendous and horrible. And all I wanted to do was see it. Wow. But I I knew that um that was gonna do me no good. And I knew that the end result would be that um I would always feel like I'd had the power and the control and actually that feeling in the end is so much better than the quick fix of when you just go back to them quickly because you you want a little you know you want another yeah and it, and it is scientifically proven that love being in love is like an addiction so it is going cold turkey and trying to wean yourself off that there are yeah there are scientific surveys that have been done that show this so it is a real pain and and you do have to be quite tough with yourself to say, right, I can't go near that because if I have a little bit, like you said, a quick fix, I'm going to get thrown back into that whole cycle again. And then I've got to go back to, to ground zero and start all over again. So, wow, you did the right thing there. That's, that's a great way to do it. Tough on yourself, but I love it. <laughs> and thinking about, um, obviously for me, I was kind of single, I think two-ish, two-ish years um, and came into a very new world of all these new things like ghosting and like tinder and all that was very um educational to I was like what does ghosting mean I was like oh it's definitely happened to me um but um one thing that I think I was always really proud of myself um with was um I mean I didn't drink for five months immediately I was like um I need to navigate all the feelings and you know feel everything um and then rather than like mask it but I that's when I like really ramped up my personal development so I did Tony Robbins I was going to all these things so I always look back and think Do you know what that was one of the happy times of my life in that and we talked about this on your podcast in that you know I felt I'd really really nourish my soul and um so I'm quite proud of that period of my life but obviously I've got other friends that have gone through this and they do the opposite they're out drinking they're doing this they're doing that how do we convince someone to you know not to mask because ultimately they're delaying the heartbreak right yeah and, you know, this is the thing. We can't change what other people are going to do and say. We can't control it. And it's tough as friends to see people going through this and, and making those mistakes. I think, you know, we can, if you've got a good connection with someone and they trust you, doing it at a time, not when they're drunk, not when they're getting ready to go out, but maybe, you know, a couple of days later, just going around and saying, look, you know, maybe let's both do something together even, because I think it can be really scary. And that pain is real that heartbreak feels like a physical pain, you know, not sleeping at night, 
is a really debilitating thing because you want connection then because you're in the bed on your own suddenly you want that love and connection but all your friends are asleep you know everyone's asleep now I was lucky that Paul McKenna was a very good friend of mine I was going through my divorce and he was in America so I used to phone him <laughs> two o'clock in the morning and that was very helpful but I think a lot of the time people feel very isolated very alone so they reach for those coping mechanisms like drink or smoking or drugs just to just to take some of that pain away so yeah I, I think being a good friend and showing up and but getting in there with your friends something that coaches can't do we can't sit yeah we don't sit and cry on the sofa we help them with support to move them forward but as friends you can really get there and, and support them and maybe do things with them so put a plan together for them to you know a breakup bucket list is a great list to do with your friend who's going through a breakup oh, great everything that you can, yeah everything you can do with them now that they could never have done in the relationship or you couldn't have done with them because they're always with their partner. Now you can maybe go out more or go and do that trip or go and have that experience. So again, you know, that is a great way for friends to show up and family to show up for people rather than telling them stop drinking because that is a real crutch. So again, we've got to can't tell someone to stop something unless we're replacing it with something else. So helping them transition is going to be a lot easier and maybe if they're eating a lot of junk food, cook them some healthy meals and put them in the fridge for them. Kind of thing will help because if they're just going to what's there, then that could be a habit that forms. So again, showing up and just helping them move forward rather than sitting there hearing the sad story over and over again, focusing their mind on something more positive really can help. Makeup bucket list. That's brilliant. Um, another question I've got for you is um. So I was very, very lucky, very quick and, and easy divorce. Yours was very long-winded. How do you, I mean, how long from splitting up to actually the D-Day when you get the paperwork? Two and a half years it took me um, and hundreds of thousands of pounds. So definitely learned a lot from that. And I don't advise my clients to do it the same way, uh, which is another reason why I do what I do. Um, there's other ways to do it now. And I think the divorce process has changed. We had no fault divorce come in last year, which means you don't have to allocate blame in the paperwork. That can really help. Um, there's still things in that system that don't really work so well. But again, there are ways to keep it out of court, which I would highly, highly recommend if you can can't always do that you might want to have an amicable divorce and your ex may want to drag you through the courts in that scenario you don't have often much choice but in in as many cases as you can if you can try and keep it out of court that would be a much better way and and quicker much quicker and what's your advice for somebody that's involved in a long drawn out divorce and and exactly that is having to go through the courts and it's you know it's totting up to two three years how do they get over that because I know obviously like people um, that get divorced with children, that's super hard because they're in your life forever. And I can't imagine that, you know, having to see that person. But like for somebody that's going through that that long divorce period and it's continually in their mind, does that make it more challenging to get over the person, would you say, because they're still in their life pretty constantly? Yeah, you're in a bit of limbo there because you want to not be thinking about it. You want them not to be in your life anymore. Um, but they are because you're getting correspondence from the lawyers. Um, if it's toxic, again, you're getting probably very aggressive, nasty letters. One thing that people I think, and I certainly didn't uh, appreciate when you go into a divorce, is the financial cost is one thing and the lawyers will try and set out costs. Although in my experience, they escalate way beyond what you ever thought was even possible. Um, but it's not just the financial cost. It is, like you say, Holly, the emotional cost of going through a long drawn out divorce. It is extremely exhausting. 
because you've got it's almost like another job going on whilst you're living your other life because you've got emails coming in which are going to upset you which are going to be difficult you're having to make those decisions and you're living in uncertainty about maybe how much money you're going to have where you're going to live how often you're going to see your own kids all these things are going on which is extremely upsetting just that on its own as well on top of that if you throw in at the moment with the cost of living crisis or the pandemic or everything else that goes on in everyday lives that elderly parents or you know if you're not well all those things you know it really is incredibly difficult so asking for help I think is key because you can't do this alone whether it's from family and friends whether it's from a coach like me or one of my team or a therapist or a counselor get some help and and self-care we have to put that top of the list A lot of my clients avoid that because they're so busy looking after everybody else. But it's kind of like on the aeroplane, right? If you don't put your own mask on first, you can't help anyone else. So self-care is definitely not selfish. It is definitely what we need to get a balance of in your life if you are going through this. And having someone on your team that understands what you're going through, really gets it, has walked in those shoes, can actually make a massive difference. You don't feel like the only sane person in the asylum if you're going through the family courts with someone who's experienced it and knows what you're dealing with. So that can make a huge, a huge positive impact to your emotional well-being as well. Yeah, I just thought maybe as a friend, I've got a couple of friends going through at the moment, I should do something like, right, when it's done, my treat, we're going to do this, you know, something to 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 wrap it up. But um and we're nearly coming to the close of it but something you know that I'm passionate about is people not settling um I think that people are so okay with it's okay it's fine um and when it's fine it's harder to leave because you know it's easier than the unknown um but I am a massive believer in soulmates and that your soulmate is there for you. What what kind of advice would you give to someone that's in that situation where it's not that bad, but it's not that great either? Well, you're very driven, very ambitious. And you have an amazing energy, Holly. So I get that you will never settle. I think, you know, it is quite a personal thing for people because yeah. you have the ability to go out and you radiate such a positive energy. And I love that. And you, you're right. Absolutely right. You only live once. And you don't have to settle. So I think you've got to trust your own instinct. If you're not happy or you're happy only a little bit of the time, but most of the time you're unhappy, then that's not a recipe for life. You know, you have to realize that you, you know, being on your own, if you're happy on being by yourself, you can be happy. You don't have to be in a relationship to be happy. That's absolutely key. You know, there are lots of people living a fantastic life who are happy being single. Somebody else coming in will complement that and make that a better place. But you don't need that to be happy and again when you are overly reliant on someone else for your happiness that's when challenges can occur so yeah I absolutely love that you know nobody settles and I think there's always you know with this culture though the people think the grass is always greener so I'm in this and it's pretty good but you know they drop their trousers on the floor or she doesn't you know drive me to work in the morning it really upsets me you know the, the little things aren't deal breakers. Think about what the most important things to you are. Think about your values. Does your partner tick the values? You know, if love's your number one, if you've got the same values around, like, you know, being loyal, being honest, being kind, that's enough to have a very happy relationship. And maybe look to see what you, if there's something lacking, if you can put that in. Don't just jump out of it. Look to see what you can improve. If you've tried things and really you think this partner is not for me and it's never going to be for me, 
then don't be afraid to leave because there's obviously lots of options out there. You're one person on a planet of 9 billion, I think it is. So ultimately, there are a lot more choices, but the grass isn't always greener. So work on what you've got, but don't settle for anything less than you deserve because, as you know, you only live once. And I think even, you know, I think people could use your services and I'm sure they do even if they've driven the breakup because it's still navigating a whole new life and I think that you know if you are the kind of person like you and I are that love coaching and I know a lot of our listeners are love personal development self-development I think to come to your team even on a, a breakup that they've instigated is still really helpful yeah and it's interesting because a lot of people think oh well if you were the person that instigated it then you're fine But actually, a lot of people feel guilty or just as devastated or had to get out because it was so unhealthy that they couldn't stay anymore. So actually, they need the help and support. You know, some people, obviously, it's like, oh, it fizzled out. I don't care anymore. I'm not heartbroken. I'm fine. That's a different thing. But that's not everybody that calls an end to a relationship. You know, I actually ended my relationship because I found out that my husband had met somebody else. Now, he was going to pull that plug at some point. But actually, you know, I I made that decision because I wasn't going to tolerate that for me. But again, you know, it's not necessarily who did what. It's really down to the individual and how you cope with stress and what your self-resilience level is as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think this is such a fascinating conversation. You um you you speak about it so well as well. You're so engaging. Um, and so where can um everybody find? You mentioned you've got like downloadable free stuff if people want a taste of where can they find your book, where can they find your podcast? Yeah, so my website is saratdavison.com. We have everything on there, so you can go and check that out. I do put a lot of videos up on my social media, on my Instagram, Sarah Davison Divorce Coach. So do go along and follow me there. And if you're a coach already and you're thinking, I'd love to add these breakup and divorce skills to your existing coaching business, it is one of the fastest growing coaching niches right now, then obviously on my website, you can contact us. Or you can always uh, just contact me in my DMs on socials as well. So we're always happy to take calls and chat to you about all different things and provide the support you need. So you're welcome to get in touch and, and reach out if you need any of that support. If I didn't keep creating myself lots of jobs and businesses, I genuinely would love to do that course. I think it would be so interesting to do it and help other people. Um, well, it's been a delight to talk to you. As you know, we're going to keep in touch. I'm, I'm sure we're going to see you at um, AIP 2024 as well. Um, yes, can't wait for that. Yeah. Um, I hope everyone enjoys the podcast. Give Sarah a follow. Um, look at all her tools, whether you're in a happy, unhappy relationship, single, not single, whatever. It's definitely worth a look. And uh, we'll see you all very soon. Thank you. Thanks, Holly. That was great. Have you been wondering what Anything Is Possible Live 2024 is all about? It's a 12-hour personal development experience from 8am to 8pm. Beyond the amazing content that is going to help you achieve your dreams, we have got mega brands, delicious food and drink, unique activations and much more. This is the sign you have been waiting for. It is time to invest in yourself and be part of something amazing. I really hope to see you there. Link in the bio to buy your tickets.